You're listening to Jewish Matters with Rabbi Jonathan Feldman. My holiday series and the Jewish Matters podcast. And tonight we're going to be talking about drawing inspiration from the Rosh Hashanah service. So the uh, story goes that there was a chassid who came to his rebbe and he said, Rebbe, I have such a headache. I've been praying and praying and I have such a headache. So the rebbe said, uh, well, prayer is from the heart, not from the head. So stop thinking so much. And there's an important point behind this joke, which is that prayer is from the heart. And with that said, the high holidays, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, the service is difficult. It's long. The language is difficult. There's a lot of parts to it. And even though service prayer is from the heart, it's still important to be able to understand the themes of the prayer book, some of the text. And if we do that, then we'll be able to use it as a springboard for our heart and we'll be able to draw inspiration from it. So tonight we'd like to uh, do several things. One is to kind of look at how to draw inspiration from the Rosh Hashanah service. And then we'll be looking at the structure of the service and the meaning of the prayers. So, um, and the reality is that there are many things in life that are complex, that are, need some studying. Tax code is very complicated. And you don't have to be an accountant, but most people want to have some idea of what the uh, tax code is so that they can know what their accountant is doing and know how to direct themselves. So similarly here, right? At least we can expect to have a layman's knowledge of the prayer book. We don't all have to be a rabbi, but we're all coming before God with the prayer book, and it's especially helpful to understand it and then have insights so that we can make the prayer meaningful. And if we're going to be spending now, this year is particularly different because many people might not even be in synagogue. So all the more so is it important to understand how to navigate our way through the service because if we want to part, do it on our own, we want to be engaged on Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah is an enormous opportunity because we believe it's the rush, it's the head of the year, the head guides the direction. So we're told by the rabbis that how we direct ourselves on Rosh Hashanah will have an impact on the entire next year. And the tool we're supposed to use is prayer and the shofar. So hopefully you'll be able to hear a shofar. In Israel, they're telling everyone to go out at 11 o'clock and whoever has a shofar will blow, whoever needs to hear will hear. And uh, that's how we're doing it. So before we start, there's a few principles around prayer to keep in mind. The first one we mentioned, prayer is words from the heart. And uh, that's really the goal, is to open ourselves up emotionally. And it's not always easy to do. And it takes effort and investment. And sometimes, once again, we think about it too much, then the heart isn't there, the head is there. But... That's the direction we want to go. There's a, another famous Hasidic story that's told of the Baal Shem Tov. They were in synagogue. And uh, there was a boy in the back and he was bothering people because he didn't know the prayers apparently, but he would sing the Aleph Beit, 
and uh, people were trying to shush him up. And the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement, realized something was going on and realized something was being thrown off. And he saw something in the back. He went over and said, what's going on? And told, well, this boy's reciting the Aleph Beit. And he, his, his response was, his prayers are the ones that are going up to heaven and that are upholding the world. Because he was so sincere about his desire to speak to the Almighty. So, prayers from the heart. Secondly, because of that, uh, feel free to, in a, to ad lib your own prayers. You don't have to stick to the text of the prayer book. And in fact, we're supposed to, particularly when we ask for the things we need for the coming year, to add in to uh, custom uh, our prayers to our own lives. And we're going to be doing that in English. And in general, that it's okay to pray in English. So if your Hebrew isn't so good, make sure you get a prayer book with the English. And uh, there are many uh, available. There are also even texts of prayer, the service online on seferia.org. They have the text of the service on popupshul.org, uh, I believe it is. They have an abridged service with transliterations. And on Ortora Stone's website, they have a Hebrew version of the Rosh Hashanah prayer book, also just the essential of what needs to be done. Pop-up shul does not have the essential of what needs to be done. It is a, uh, a uh, picking out from the prayer book uh, sort of different prayers. So, speak from the heart. English is good. Make it meaningful. It's not a race. You don't have to keep up. You don't have to finish everything. If you come upon a passage that you find meaningful, that is touching you, stay there, let it sink in, dwell on it, uh, and don't worry about catching up. You'll figure it out. So that's in line with that the heart is the essence. The other factor is, number four, is that prayer is not a spectator sport. Okay. And even though in some synagogues you have the chazan who's going off on his riffs um, uh, of, and classical chazanut is not even something one can re, uh, follow along or repeat, but uh, wherever there is responsive readings, wherever there is, that's why there's all stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, keep you awake, and to participate. But mostly, hopefully, you'll find a service with beautiful singing that can be sung along. And sing along. Raise up your voice. I do not have a good voice, but I sing. I belt it out anyway. Hopefully not loud enough to throw everyone else off. Um, so, And this year, the chances are more people are going to be in grassroots services. So there's more likelihood that you're going to be um, have a type of cantor who's more what we call shliach tzibor, a uh, singer, than a cantorial style. So take advantage of that. Uh, fifth point is take a break. If it's too much, uh, even go outside. You know, I mean, this year services will probably be shorter, but in the past they could be three, four hours long. Go outside, get some air. Um, if you need to, or, and this is important, 
uh, bring along meaningful reading material. And if you get burnt out, print out some articles off the internet about Rosh Hashanah. You can go to h.com, chabad.org, plenty of stuff out there, and bring them with you to synagogue. And if you're starting to zone out, read something that will re-inspire you and get you reconnected. So that's, uh, so those are the pointers. Prayer from the heart. English is fine. Make it meaningful, not a race to the end. Prayer is not a spectator sport. Take a break if you need to. And finally, preparation. The more we prepare, the more meaningful it will be and more potential to be inspired it will be. And uh, not just preparation in terms of getting some idea of the prayer book, but in terms of Rosh Hashanah itself. And if you want to know what that preparation is, you can listen to the number one in the High Holiday uh, workshop that we did. Um, Rosh Hashanah is the day to envision new goals for ourselves, to think of new potentials, to expand our boundaries, to stand before the Almighty as King and say, God, you can do anything and I can ask for it, but we have to be partners. So how can I actualize myself better? How can I be more, uh, have goals that really are aligned with the desires of my heart, the deepest desires of my soul? And how can I come up with a plan to follow through on them? So Rosh Hashanah is the macro. Rosh Hashanah is the proactive, positive, reformulating new goals, realigning, course correcting, as opposed to Yom Kippur, which is the micro uh, taking apart our past year. So, and we'll see that in the prayer service as well. The vidui, where we tap our hearts in contrition and the atonement, is not found on Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is a day of celebration. So you hopefully you're going to be hearing a lot of upbeat tunes, and it's a day of joy because we're optimistic that the Almighty is going to give us a positive verdict and a year full of blessings. So be upbeat, be optimistic, and express that joy. Okay, now we get to the service itself. So the principle we're going to present now is really true, not just for Rosh Hashanah, but for all of the services on Shabbat as well. And which is that the different parts of the service are a progression. They're a ladder that is designed to raise us to higher levels of spirituality. What are those levels? So those levels correspond to the four worlds of the Kabbalah maps out the four different levels of the world. What are those four levels? So we'll talk about them from bottom down because that's the order that the prayer book will present them in. The first level is the level of uh, action. And that's the world we live in. That's the physical world, the material world, and we are very much a part of it. The next world is the world of formation, which is the world of nature, the world of God directing the events around us, unfolding in history. It's the divine providence uh, directing the world in a certain direction and uh, manifesting itself through the beauty of nature and uh, that we find in the world. The next level is the world of 
creation, which is creating something from nothing. That's the inception of spirituality. That is the domain that is beyond this world, but that we can relate to. So, and, and we'll talk about how each section of the prayer service corresponds to one of these worlds. And the final world is the world of emanation, the world of, of uh, Atsilut. So you have emanation, the divine light coming into the world. Then you have Bria, you have creation, something from nothing. That's where Genesis begins. Then you have formation, which if you look at the first six days, uh, God is arranging the world as we know it. And then you have the world of action. So if you look at the prayer service, we start out with the morning blessings. The morning blessings go through a list of things that we are grateful for just simply in our physical lives. For health, for that our eyes can see, that we're able to get up out of bed in the morning. And if you throw your back out, that's when you'll come to appreciate it. That we have eyesight, that we are free. This is all the world of uh, action, the physical and material world, which we are aware, making ourselves aware of and which we are showing gratitude to the Almighty for. And yes, we can throw, show gratitude for the most basic, simple things. And we're going through a challenging time now, uh, locking down in Israel from Corona. People have lost their jobs. A lot of things are coming down on us. And one way to try and raise above it is to simply look at the things we do have and be thankful for our health, be thankful even if our mental health is being challenged, be thankful, and even if we might be gaining a little weight, I'm just five months later getting rid of the weight that I'm going to put on the first uh, close-in. So, um, so be grateful for the most basic, simple things that we have in our lives, the air we breathe, the water we drink, uh, the ability to uh, think freely and to be in a society that accepts that. So there are things we can focus on that are positive. So we're in the world of action, the morning blessings. We get to the Psukkit Zimra, the Psalms of Praise, which are an assortment mostly of Psalms, which are in the Torah, uh, written by King David. Uh, and other various prayers which are there to kind of orient us, to get us, it's kind of the warm-up, it's the bullpen. And they get us to start thinking about God in the world, to get us to start being in the mode of praising the Almighty, and to uh, connect us with uh, Jewish destiny that is laid out as we see as a part of the unfolding of the divine plan. And so... Uh, that's the next section. On Rosh Hashanah, that section ends and the next one is be begins with the cantor chanting HaMelech, the king, where he kind of introduces the Almighty into the service. Then we have Kaddish, Baruch Hu, response of blessing. And then we have the section of formation. And this will be the Shema and the blessings before and after the Shema. Now, on Rosh Hashanah, there are some extra poems that are added. The first day of Rosh Hashanah is Shabbat, so there's an extra song there as well. But even if we just look at the Shabbat service, we look at the weekly service. The first blessing is a blessing of God who creates light. And if we think about the world of 
creation, the first element to be created is light. Light is the most abstract element of the world, and yet, at the same time, it permeates everything. And uh, light is a metaphor uh, for spirituality. So it means God creates spiritual lights as well. And the blessing will even talk about the angels, which are spiritual beings that God created. So as well as God creating the physical world, God created the spiritual world, and we have an awareness of that. The next blessing is the blessing of God's love for the Jewish people and God's special role and mission for the Jewish people, which is there, and the uh, injunction to study Torah, to connect us to that mission. And that is in way of introducing the Shema, which is, if you think about it, the Shema is not really a prayer. The Shema is a mission statement of our mission in life to uh, have an awareness of God's unity, God is one, love of God, accountability towards the Almighty, and the mitzvot we perform. So that is the Shema. The third blessing, uh, there are two before the Shema, one after is the blessing of redemption. God who saved the Jewish people throughout Jewish history, particularly in the Exodus, and then God who looks after us throughout time. And that is the Berchet Geula, redemption. So if you look at the morning blessing, the blessings around the Shema, you have creation, Torah, and then redemption, which the final redemption will be the Messianic epoch. So it really spans all of the different periods of the world, the different phases that the world has gone through in its relationship to God. And now we get to the Amidah, the silent standing prayer. Amidah means to stand. And that is the world of emanation. That is where we take three steps forward and we give ourselves an awareness of standing before the Almighty, of talking to God. And that's how you make it real. Of course, God is everywhere and he's always present and you can talk to God whenever you want. But we choose the time of the Amidah to focus on having that dialogue with the Almighty. And emanation means we also try and experience and feel God's presence in front of us, as well as expressing ourselves to God. And, um, and so that is the world of emanation. So we've climbed the ladder, and during the week, the rest of the service is in reverse order of back down the worlds, back to the physical world. On Rosh Hashanah, as like we do on Shabbat and all holidays, we've got many different extra additions, which we're going to talk about. So the first one is Avinu Malkeinu, which is a prayer which beseeches our God, our King. And while the theme of Rosh Hashanah is kingship, we're going to talk about it, we also remember kingship is really authoritarian, but we remember that first God is our, like our Father in heaven. It's a relationship of love before it's a relationship of responsibility. It's a relationship of closeness before it's a relationship of uh, trepidation and awe. So, um, so we, the Avinu Malkinu prayer is a whole list of uh, Requests, beseeching before God. 
on Shabbat we do not do this type of beseeching. So the first day of Rosh Hashanah this year falls out on Shabbat, which means Friday night we're not going to do a full Kabbalat Shabbat. It means we don't do Avinu Malkeinu. It means that uh, we will not be blowing the shofar on the first day of Rosh Hashanah. I know it's shocking, and, um, but that's, uh, that is the practice. And uh, because of that, the service is a little shorter as well. So the first day of Rosh Hashanah, no Avinu Malkeinu, no shofar blowing. But we do read the Torah. So here, after the Shachrit, the morning service, which we just described, we have the middle part, which is the Torah reading and the shofar blowing. And then we'll have the Musaf, the additional service, which is really kind of the high point of the Rosh Hashanah experience. So the Torah readings on Rosh Hashanah. The first day's reading is the reading of the story of Sarah giving birth to Isaac and God visiting Sarah, which is an example, a demonstration of God hearing our prayers and answering our prayers. So, and this great miracle happening, Sarah in old age bearing a child. And um, there's also uh, the story of Hagar and Yishmael being sent out into the desert and getting lost. Yishmael calls out to God, and that is also uh, a model of calling out to God on Rosh Hashanah. And the final part of the reading is a very interesting. I just read an article uh, by Rabbi uh, Benjamin Blech, and he pointed out that the Last section of the first day's reading is a story about Avimelech, Abraham's neighbor, and Abraham forming a kind of pact, a peace agreement with Avimelech. There had been strife between them before that. And he pointed out that we read this right after we had our most current peace agreement with the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain, and the Torah, the original Abraham covenant was in this week's Torah, uh, in Rosh Hashanah's Torah reading. So, interesting parallel there. The second day we really read the story of the binding of Isaac. Very difficult story to understand, but the theme related to Rosh Hashanah is that Isaac and Abraham were willing to give up their entire being for the Almighty. And part of the theme of Rosh Hashanah, of God's kingship, is rededicating ourselves to the Almighty, nullifying our will before God's will. And this was a prime example of uh, that, um, that giving oneself over to God. So that's the second day's reading, is the uh, binding of Isaac. And now we come to the shofar. Now once again, on uh, the first day of Hashanah Shabbat, we will not be blowing the shofar, but the other days we will. How many times do we blow the shofar in all? We blow a hundred times. And before the uh, Amidah, we'll blow 30. What are the sounds? It's Tekiah. Shvarim. And Tekiah. Excuse me, sorry. Tekiah. Shvarim. Then sometimes it's substituted for a truah. 
And there's Shvarim Trua, which sometimes in the middle is this. And then we end with another Tekiah, a straight sound. And they say that the sounds are first like a uh, almost a wailing, right? The person like is heaving, and then like a crying. So the idea is that we come before God with a tekiah, with strength. We break ourselves apart. We take ourselves apart. We're broken down. Uh, we question ourselves. We open ourselves up. And then we put ourselves back together. So there are this series of three. We will blow three sets of three. And one of them is four, so that makes 30, if you add it all up. And before we do the shofar blowing, we read the psalm that talks about uh, blowing the shofar before God. A God rises up through the sound of the shofar. There are also introductory verses that we read uh, in order to get ourselves into the mindset of being ready for the shofar. The intention we're supposed to have during the shofar, the shofar blow will say a blessing, uh, that to hear the sound of the shofar, but really hearing it is like blowing. We have supposed to have in mind that each of us is through the shofar blower making a prayer to the Almighty. It's like we blew the shofar, and the shofar blowing itself is a prayer from our deepest breath that we are expressing to the Almighty. And we should have in mind that the shofar breaks down negative decrees. The shofar is a path for us to come close to the Almighty. The shofar awakens God's mercy. So, and it's a prayer for God's mercy for the coming year. So, after the shofar, uh, the Torah is put back. Then there is the hinani, which is a prayer said by the chazan, by the cantor, saying that he is not worthy really to lead us in prayer, but here he is coming before the Almighty in supplication. And really, we can apply that to ourselves. On some level, we feel we're not worthy, but God wants us to come before him on Rosh Hashanah. And this is now introducing the Musaf, which means the additional service. On Shabbat and holidays, in a different, an additional offering was brought in the temple in Jerusalem, and so we have an additional service. The Musaf is a similar structure to the Amidah. The first three blessings of praise of God, to get us in the mindset. The middle section of during the week requests, during the holidays, themes of the holidays. And it's one big blessing on the holidays. During the week you have 13 blessings. Here you have one. And then the last three are the blessings of Thanksgiving. Now how is this holiday theme broken up on Rosh Hashanah? So here you have something very important. There are three themes in the Rosh Hashanah Musaf. The theme of Malchiot, God's kingship. The theme of Zichronot, remembrance. And the theme of Shofarot, of Shofar. Kingship, remembrance, Shofar. Now, each of these themes will be introduced by an introductory paragraph. Then, and this is important to understand, it's a long text. It can take up to 20 minutes to say it with real feeling. Um, so in each section, for instance, kingship, introductory paragraph, which 
for kingship is actually the Elenu prayer, which we say uh, all during the year at the conclusion of every service. And when the cantor repeats the Elenu in the Malchiot, in this section of the Musaf, we'll be bowing down because it says, we bow down. Why do we, it's now, it might feel strange, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the only time in the Jewish year where we bow down. And we actually, the reality is, many people associate that with Islamic prayer. The fact is, we bow down, Jewish prayer always involved bowing down, particularly in the temple in Jerusalem. So we, we reenact the service in the temple, but bowing is simply a, a symbol, a showing of subjugation to the Almighty of accepting God being over us and um, it can be a powerful experience. So, Malchiot, introductory paragraph, Aleinu with bowing, when we repeat it afterwards, not when it's, we say it on our own silently. And then each of these sections will have 10 biblical verses. This is important to understand. It'll have three verses from the Torah, three verses from the writings, three verses from the prophets, and then another final one from the Torah. And the final tenth one from the Torah in the kingship theme is the Shema. So you'll probably be familiar with that when you see it. The next theme is the Achronot, remembrance. And what does remembrance have to do with Rosh Hashanah? So actually the Torah calls Rosh Hashanah Zichron Truah, a remembrance of calling out. Now Zichron remembrance can be remembering our deeds, although as we said on Rosh Hashanah we don't try and recall all our mistakes for the past year. It's more that we ask that God remember the merit that we have before Him. The merit of the actions we've done in the past year. We also invoke God to remember the covenant with our ancestors and the merit of our ancestors uh, because we have them, so to speak, advocating for us. But it's also a reminder to us that our actions are remembered and will be written in the Book of Life. And then we have nine, another uh, eight days after Rosh Hashanah to rectify the mistakes we might have made over the past year, leading to Yom Kippur. So, Zichronot, remembrance. And then, uh, but actually the term Zicharon is also used to refer to the future. And uh, we ask God to remember us for a good future. So that's all part of it. And then the third theme is Shofar. And Shofar, we already talked about. uh, And there are three settings for Shofar. One is the Shofar of, well, there's a shofar of the binding of Isaac. But that shofar, interestingly enough, is not emphasized in these readings. Uh, you have in, from the Torah the shofar of Mount Sinai. From the writings, you have the shofar as praise of God, a type of horn that is used during services. And in the f- prophets, you have the shofar of Mashiach, the shofar being the herald of our redemption. And... Um, and then you have a concluding paragraph for each of these uh, with its own blessing of God who remembers our actions. And then uh, after we're done our silent Amidah, 
we step, take three steps back, and then the cantor will repeat the entire text with additional readings, additional poems. So make sure that when you're saying it, you will see in the prayer book the silent Amida. Here's the Lord Jonathan Sachs, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs prayer book. Uh, great translation, good commentary, article in the front. So uh, remember to do the silent prayer for the individual and then to follow along with the repetition of the Amida with the cantor. The cantor in the Amida, and this is important, we change certain of the prayers when we do our, our own silently and when the cantor does it. So in the beginning we add, we ask God to remember us for life and scribe us in the book of life. Uh, and two at the beginning, the first two blessings. Then at the, in, the third, in the fourth blessing, the blessing of God's holiness, we put in additions of God recognizing, of godliness being recognized throughout the world, the righteous uniting before God, the entire world's unity before God. And we finish that section, normally during the year, we finish it with the words, the Holy God. On the high holidays, we have to say the Holy King. If you don't, you have to repeat the entire Amidah. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, if you leave out the other taglines, which we add in, you don't have to repeat it. And at the very end, uh, we have two of those lines as well. Uh, we ask God once again to inscribe up in us in the Book of Life. So remember those special editions for all of the Amidah uh, throughout, from the beginning of Rosh Hashanah throughout till Yom Kippur, even during the week, we add those editions during the 10 days of Tshuva, they're called. So uh, when the cantor repeats the Amidah, he's going to put in, do the Kiddushah, this, where there's a lot of singing often. And then right before the Kiddushah, though, there's Natana Tokef, the prayer of who will live and who will die, of accepting God's judgment. Part of it, the last paragraph, we sing in a very up in Kitzvah. There's no uh, limits, God, to your goodness. We sing it in a very upbeat tune because after recognizing Rosh Hashanah is the day of judgment and the day where God evaluates the entire world and sets our destiny for the coming year, we're optimistic with an upbeat song that that verdict will be positive and good. So that's the uh, Natana Tokef. Then the cantor will repeat the Malchiot Zichrona Chofrot Kingship Remembrance Shofar with 10 verses in each. And when we're finished that, most synagogues blow another 30 during the repetition. So for each of these, during Malchiot, before Malchiot, sorry, uh, we will blow 30 blows from the Shofar. Then, sorry, at the end of Malchiot, then Zichronot, then Shofrot, we do 10, 10, 10, which make up the 30, or 10, 10, 12, which make up the 30. In some synagogues, during the silent Amidah of Musaf, they blow the Shofar in the middle of people's prayer. It's called Nusach Sfard, the Sfard uh, rather than Ashkenaz. So just be aware, you might see that, but normally we do silent Amidah, the repetition with the shofar blowed for each of these themes. And then when we get to the end of the service, another 30 
set, a set of 30 is blown, and then 10 to finish it off. And there you have it. That's your service. So we hope that this made it meaningful and that you will um, find that the service, the prayers can be inspirational. If you're totally on your own, uh, then take it to heart what we said at the beginning, that the, the, what we offer to God from our heart is what's most important. Uh, personal, spontaneous prayer is always uh, works and is always, the rabbis even say that, the, that God loves that prayer. Uh, and try and personalize it and make it meaningful along with using the prayer book and the t traditional texts which help guide us through the range of emotions and experiences that hopefully we'll have to make this Rosh Hashanah a year of blessings, a year of good health, which I wish to you all, and most importantly, a year of spiritual growth and a year of reconnecting to the Almighty and closening our relationship with Him and with those around us. Have a Shana Tova, everyone.